Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. level of cooperation and i don't think everybody should feel the same way about things you know i you know certainly not but okay guys welcome back to the Grand america show long weekend edition always day late on the canadian long weekends labor day must be in the u.s too yeah it's a double long weekend i think we're gonna be chatting with uh Leslie Mitchell Clark. Leslie Mitchell Clark with an E. With an E, yeah. About UFOs, regression, uh, hypnotic regressions. Uh, I, you know, I should have asked her if she agreed with me being a were-dolphin. Well, I've never been in the ocean on a full moon. I think you're a, more of a werewolf, but your ancestry might come from the water, maybe. And I'm a Pisces. Yeah. But that's not this one. That's outlawed. That's right. That's outlawed. Yeah, we didn't do that on this one. I thought that was pretty funny that it like, that your little frequency there was about the wolfen or like about the lycanthropy. I'm like, that's why he's been a, such a fan of this wolfen theory. I'm not a fan of the wolfen theory. It's just how evolution <laughs> works. <laughs> I, I don't think so. No, no. Uh, I still believe I've been proven right several times. Uh, maybe over and over. I don't know. All right. We got to do the show. We got to do the evolution show. We got to definitively do the show on whether or not there was a wolf in at some point. Okay. I mean, I don't see why there wouldn't be. It's a mammal. It had to go from land to sea. It doesn't have to do any of that stuff. I mean. So do you think, how do you think this happened then? What happened? Us? The mammal in the ocean. It's just always been there? Yeah. There's like life everywhere, dude. Just no evolution ever. It's just hybrid. Like maybe they, you know. I like. I'm okay with that hybridization. I'm okay with with both and all. Yeah, yeah. They good. Me too. But you can't just start cutting stuff off. Like evolution's clearly happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not the way we think it was. That's all. I think it's more of a subtle evolution. Little traits here and there. Little things like that. Not a full species changing. I just don't. I, I keep going back to the hybridization episode that we had. It was so good that time, right? Do you remember that? Do you think dolphins have always been dolphins? Yeah. Yeah. It's poof. I don't think you just, I don't think people, things evolve from, there's a whole bunch of missing gaps and all that, right? Mm. But I'm not saying I know. Was it Jeebus? This is my sense, right? Jeebus? Jesus? Just snapped his fingers? No, ETs, man. ETs. Yeah. That's the same thing. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I think things are so much more complicated than we think. For all intents and purposes, that's the same thing these days. Because then the ETs are just the Jesuses, or the gods, or the whatevers, whatever you want to call them. But anyway. Don't say that to the... Fundamentalists? Yeah. We got some great shows coming up on Outlawed about Dude, uh, about some. I've been called a Nazi and everything else. I could care less. What uh, You know, at this point... 
uh, eight years. I know. So it's I got crazy. nine years into the, into the podcast. You can call me whatever you want. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Bring it on. You're a Petri dish. I guess. I'm yeah. a Petri dish of hate <laughs> <laughs> and intolerance. <sighs> oh, well. What can you do? What can you do? I, I can be happy. I'm at the point it just sort of rolls off my back. It's funny because the last person who called me a Nazi, they had it at their, their like bio thing was like living rent free inside your head or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. That's well, that's a, that's an AA thing, right? That's, oh, is a, it? that's a recovery thing, right? You're, you're renting space inside someone's head, right? It's like, just don't go there. Right. Like you're, 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 there's another, there's a couple other sayings about that too. Where you're taking somebody's inventory, right? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny. And that, that's his thing. But then he's just on a complete tirade. And I'm just laughing at him. I'm like, have a nice weekend. And he's just, I hope you died. <laughs> that's what's so weird about this. Like, was that from a meme you posted somewhere? That was just my comment on uh, our Lord and Savior, Jason Kenny. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. He, they, they did a live stream. I didn't watch the live stream. I just commented on it because I knew, I think it was actually late again. As usual, he came back from his three weeks in Europe and then he was an hour late for his first thing he had to do. And then uh, set the population against each other, blamed a pop portion of the population for his problems and said goodbye. Wow. Anyway, I commented on there that uh, these, that's still, what are we, 19 months into COVID now? Yep. 19 months into COVID, average age of hospitalization and death. In Alberta is 80. And the average age, the average life expectancy in Alberta is 81. I just commented that. I just said, these are the only two stats that really matter at the end of the day. And then uh, I got called Darren uh, doesn't care about old people grimes. I got called Nazi a couple of times. Yeah. Kook. Uh, I think there was a kook or something. I thought you sent me something. Kook. You sent me something. It's like, yeah. You, nobody nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. Oh, everybody. What are you talking about? Who? Everybody who? Wait, everybody who? That's so funny. Everyone right? hates you. You're nuts. You're crazy. You're a Nazi. <laughs> it's the best it's the best this is what we're dealing with you protest in front of hospitals for fuck's sakes get a grip society is pissed with you you're not a hero you're a wacko so he's, so I, I guess he's lumping I haven't been you in any with, protest I know but but I guess you're you're on the other side so you're not you know you're for free dear, dude you're you're for you're for, oh, we shouldn't even talk about all this you're for freedom Aaron that's that's dangerous these days you're for people's own accountability and freedom. That's really dangerous these days. I mean, it's, it's, I'm radicalized. Yeah. You're right. We should, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rant about this on the, uh, on the outlawed intro this week because have I doing... always been radicalized or did it happen over <laughs> <laughs> over eight and a half years of doing a podcast? I mean, here's the thing. People have been listening to the show for eight and a half years. If you've been listening day one, let us know if we've been radicalized. I know you have a little, what? You're a little radicaler than you. <laughs> you're ra Didn't How rad so? used to be a cool word. Rad, yeah, rad, man, rad, radical. Yeah, for real. I haven't been radicalized. 
I'm not, dude. I'm not the one with all the guns and stuff. I mean, I'm just <laughs> at home reading books. <laughs> I mean, is that the new radicalized these days? I don't even want to leave my house. I just want to work from home and take care of my girlfriend, and <laughs> that's just that's pretty radical. <laughs> hey, I'm saying. I mean, I do have a bow in for repair. I mean, does that does that count? Hey, you don't have to have the stuff. You just have to be radicalized. <laughs> You're just like a little it- radicalized. You drank a little Kool-Aid for a while. No, I didn't. No. You saw I just had hopium, dude. I had some hopium. That's What's wrong radicalized. with that? No. <laughs> I'm over it. I acknowledged it Ooh, and I'm over it, dude. I'm totally. I'm so over it. So education works. It did. Oh <laughs> Slippery slope. Yeah. But I think we should rant about this. I wonder if while. Scott Adams still doesn't believe doesn't in slippery slopes. Slippery slopes. <laughs> How's that working out for you now? That mask sure was a slippery slope. <laughs> I do have some feedback. I got a listener email. This is where we do a little bit of our chitty chatty rant, uh, ram- lazy ramblings before the show. Darren puts his timestamp to the actual interview there. And then we get rid of some uh, housekeeping and stuff, and we talk about, uh, like, for example, the CAC, we should probably talk about the CAC raffle winner before we forget. So we contacted the cabin coming up with Randall Carlson, Scablands in September, and we did a raffle because we had an extra ticket. Crispy. 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 I don't think I should be giving out last name. Okay, don't give out last name, but Crispy won, yep. He won. And he knows about it. He lives in Washington. He's nearby, so uh, he's super excited. He should be at our last Zoom meeting. Next week. This week. This Friday. This Friday. Do you have to do a test before your flight? Uh, no. To the States? No. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Did you double check all that? Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. There'll be like a time thing. Oh, yeah, I got to do it in Vancouver. I'll be in Vancouver before I go. Because so you heard of, I don't know if you heard about uh, Eva's daughter. Her test was two hours. Late? Too early. Too early? Oh, it wow. it has to be within 72 hours yeah, or something, yeah, right? Yeah, so your flight's yeah. at 2 and you yeah. take it at noon. Well, yours was too, and you just ignored it, I think, on your last trip. No. Or something. You were, you were close. Like, you something I've happened with close. you last time. But it has close. to be within that. So hers was too late. Like, it was 74 hours is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to be. Why would, she, why would she do that? You just assume it's fine. Really? You know, three days, know. three they, days-ish. But oh, I don't know. I know. I would be very by the book in that sort of yeah. scenario, too. <laughs> Some people it's just It's not say, like 100 hours. It's 72. You yeah. know? I know 72 equals three days, but still. It's three days. Yeah. So it usually says You just backtrack three days. Three days yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to I mean, figure that out. Yeah, test. I'm gonna have to test, and I did get a test. I'm negative. Yeah, I have. I've had a bad throat. I've had. I think I've just been working too hard at home. Working too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be a better way to say it. You know what? I had a whole bunch of ginger. Did you? All right, and it and uh, they're like redheaded guys, or <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of them. <laughs> all at once and then my throat started to hurt it was raw at the top like in the uh, so I think it might have just been the gingers too much ginger yeah I think but it's caused this whole fucking throat problem that I have but in, anyways I'm negative I don't do so a lot I had of a, ginger no either do I but I thought it was it was good for the voice like uh, for for the uh, narrating and stuff the narrating so did you take the weekend off <sighs> yeah of that yeah 
How did he get cut up? I, I mean, I was reading other books for the show, but I'm, I was reading this great book, dude, for uh, one of the Outlawed shows coming up. Like, super excited about that. And the, and the Symbolism uh, show for Robert Sullivan's coming back on for Cinema Symbolism 3 on the Grimerica show. That that looks really good, too. Is this going to be his third time on or fourth I think time? his third time, yeah. It reminds me everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. yeah. He's a fun chat. I like Robert. Yeah. So I was reading some some books. Atta boy. Good. Good stuff. I was in the bush. Technically, yeah, how was, was it? Uh, your your place looked amazing. Like, how did you get a little? Is that even a campsite, or did you just? Are you able to just go right? But you, you, know, you seem like you're all I don't alone know by the lake. Go, well, there's other people. They're all further down. Sometimes in the in the heart of summer, it gets busy in there. Oh, okay. But I don't know what's going on there. There's like a paid campsite on the one end of the lake, and then there's like a self-reporting paid campsite on the other end of the lake, and then there's just that public area by the boat launch that like boat launch that people just made it's been there forever people just made it and people just started camping there now i don't know if it just started oh i see but so, people have so been camping there for as long as, I, yeah, as, long as yeah. i've been going down there people have been camping there yeah they'll clamp down soon enough then and add it to the thing they'll just they'll monetize it or, yeah no they'll monetize it if yeah. anything and add some spots that's what it is in the, in the other end of the lake it's just like yeah Either pay online or you can yeah. put $25 in this little slot box, I think, maybe, or I don't know how the yeah. fuck it works. Yeah. But it says, says there's a big sign when you drive by that says self-registration, 25 oh, cool. bucks. Wow. But where I go, you don't pay nothing. You're just back in there. It's for all, it's pretty much the same as boondocking out in the backcountry. Like, what does that mean? Any place outside of the west of, uh, I don't know, you know, there's some line there. I couldn't tell you exactly what road, but you hit the crown land. What does boondocking mean? Boondock? Camping boondock? And, camping and non-camping. Boondog or boondock? Boondocking. Boondocking? What? Oh, my God. These cats. We shouldn't have them in the studio. But she recording. lives in here. It's crazy. Um, that's when you camp. Yep. Not in a campground. Just okay. In, just in the back country. Okay. Boondocking. Okay. I mean, tons of people do it. You know, when you get back in the bush, get on maybe that Highway 940 back there yeah. in the summer, and there's just campers everywhere right, right. all over the place. That's boondocking. Okay. They said technically they want to charge you for that now. You're supposed to pay. Everywhere? Like, in just, Alberta. Wow, really? They can go fuck themselves. Honestly, I'm not paying enough. So that is that crown is that always on crown I land pay, then? Yeah, I pay okay. enough taxes. So it's not in a national park. Or it could so be in there... state land too. It right. could be in a national park as well. So, so like, I don't know like if you're allowed there's... to do that in a national park. Actually. No, you probably that's what I mean. You can't, right? You probably so it's probably not in the parks. It's in the yeah, act, unless there's park, a campground yeah. in the park, right? But I then you can if only you can in like a national no, park. I, I don't you think just so. camp in the campground. I think so. You can't just like wander off. Yeah, that's kind of what you do here. So it's just a spot I can back my trailer into. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really nice. I right? mean, the main point is, is just we can fish and hunt there. Yeah. We're right there for fishing and hunting. Get a pro. I snuck up on a deer, dude. I snuck up. I was probably 10 yards. Wow, really? If I had my bow, my wow. crossbow would have had it, but wow. I didn't. I knew where he was. I could see him there sleeping in this one thing. It was probably only like... 200 yards from my camper. Wow. So I snuck up on him. Every once in a while, I'd see his head come up with his little antlers. I'd go down. And he'd lie back down. I'd sneak up again. And finally, I got like a little, little less than 10 yards away, and he ran off. Nice. Yeah, there's three of them in there. The little one ran right away. And the bigger one ran when I was probably 20 yards away. 
And then the last one, the medium one, didn't run until I was fucking close. Like, you know, if you would have like really got down on your belly and stuff, you could you could literally have snuck up on that thing and just like grabbed its grabbed its antlers and slit its throat, or I don't know what you'd do when you grabbed it by the antlers. Just ride it for a while. Just, Oof. just go for it. It's ride. gonna be like kicking and biting. <laughs> <laughs> would be pretty cool though, wouldn't it? There's a bunch of people camping down the way, so it's probably not a good place to put a bolt into a deer. Yeah. Like, does it just take out its front shoulder or something? It just runs down the beach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trauma. Kids will be traumatized. I mean, you gotta, yeah. We're going back this weekend though. Oh, good. Saturday night. Not a lot of week, not a lot of, uh, nice weekends left. Trailerable weekends. How was the tent trailer? The tent trailer is great. It's got furnace. So, well, yeah. I could still push it a little while longer, yeah, yeah. but not much longer. Yeah. I mean, it's going to get too cold to be out on the lake. But it's, I'm, well, you can bring I'm going to be using it for hunting season. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly for hunting season. So I'll get another month and a month. I'm sure, and you a can half sleep in it with those. I mean, you get those sleeping bags minus 20. You can, you know. You What's well, a furnace? I and that's what I mean. Like with that, even if it's cold, yeah. cold out, you, you could do pretty good in that. It should heat right up, I'd imagine. It should heat up to, like, even if it was minus 10 out, I'd imagine. Minus 10, minus 20, you could heat that thing up to comfortable. But then you get sick. Right. You know, because it gets those little spaces when you, it's like when you have a wood stove or something, it just gets so hot in there, and you're going in and out. Uh Oh. You get sweaty, then you go outside, you get cold. I think that kind of stuff. good for you. think so? Yeah, it's like the Nordic spa type thing, you know, The, the hot and cold, the hot and cold. Remember we, like we used to, to do. Remember house. I used to do it all the time when I was when I was into all the doing time. things. Yeah. How? When I used to do things. You were just like having a no the, cold the jar, thermal the thermal uh, ex- oh, the thermal thing back when you left the house. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm planning on using it a few more times for hunting. The thermal cycle. Is. Get it out a few times. Cool. Well, I got a I got some feedback. I got an email here I wanted to read, or what I got a project operation too, and a couple quotes. If you want to get what into what kind of jingle would one play? Your feedback. I don't know. You don't know. How about goodbye to the igloo? Nah, that's not going to fit. Let's do... We haven't gone to get the physical mail in a while. I should probably check that out. Are you waiting for anything? Yeah, we're waiting for something. What are we waiting for? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, we're waiting for some clothes. Clothes? From a long time friend of the show listener, yeah. Ooh. Artist, I like uh, yeah, clothes. The last hoodie we got was dope. Is it the same guy? No, I don't think so. Let's do this one. I don't know if this is this housekeeping. It's the first one I could find. <laughs> so I'm not going to read the read her name here, but uh, she says. Hello, first off, I just want to say I'm grateful to have found this podcast. It's in alignment with everything I was raised with. I have zero in my social circles who could come close to understanding many topics that you discuss. So thank you. I'm feeling validated and enlightened instead of crazy. I'm a 35-year-old nurse living in Wisconsin. I feel embarrassed to say I'm a nurse with the state of things and, and keep thinking I'll be working at the gas station soon if mandates roll out. But I really want to reach out and see if you guys have visited the site or watched The Dimming. I heard you talk about it a bit, uh, Chemtrails versus Contrails, in the past, so wondered what your thoughts were on this research. 
Thought you might be interested as he ties everything into chemtrails. Everything. Thanks again for all you do. So I'm just going to put a link to this. It's geoengineeringwatch.org, and I'll put it in the show notes. But thanks for the thanks for the email. Chemtrails. I totally know what she means. It's like it's you know you find sort of your tribe, people that just want to learn about all this stuff and talk about it in an opened open manner opened? without being too uh, dogmatic about stuff. Totally. You know, I was. Go ahead. Because we don't have all the answers, but it's fun to try and find them. Do we have any of the answers? No, I have more <laughs> questions than answers. With- as the farther we go along here. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Not only do we not have all the answers, we don't have any of them. Not one. Yeah. That's not what you tune in for, though. That's what I was going to say, but when you, were, you when you were talking about getting called names and stuff like that. <clears throat> like what kind of names? Oh, like Nazi and stuff? Like everybody hates you, that kind of I mean, it would probably, it might hurt my feelings if like my friends called me real names, but. I don't know if it would. I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe a little that bit. Maybe happen. a little bit. But I mean, th- but you're responsible for that, right? Like they're for being a Nazi. No, for oh. for your feelings about people calling you names. Like you're uh, yes, you know that. That's why I talked to uh, Matthew Raymer. I was on his podcast. It's like his first episode of uh, Deplatformed. I don't know when it's going to come out, but we talked about that because we it's called Deplatformed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we were talked. To, we were talked about free speech and free thought, and should our thoughts be monitored? Are they actions and s- speech actions? You know all that kind of stuff and. I was sort of relating it to uh, spirituality and, and, you know, the Akasa, right? That we're accountable for our thoughts. And if we lived in a non-materialistic world, we could, we would know that we, we have to watch how we think and how we say things because we will be accountable at some point, karma or past life stuff or whatever, right? You know, the, the reconciliation that happens when you die, that kind of stuff. But we talked about how, you know, if we get called names and stuff, that's up to us to be offended. Like, I don't have to be offended by stuff. So how do you how do you draw the line between, you know, offending somebody and not offending somebody and the thing just keeps changing? So it's very interesting. It's a good chat. It's a fantastic chat. I guess he could be offended, <clears throat> depending. Yeah. But it shouldn't bother you, I don't think. I mean, maybe that's just... I would probably harder before eight years of podcasting and getting called every name in the book at somewhere along the line and, you know, going through some of the stuff I've gone through and being called this and that and the other, you know, at this point, I just really don't care. I don't have time to bog myself down on what other people are worried about. Yeah. Get all fucking worked up and triggered. I got shit to do. That should probably just be how everyone is. But I mean, you shouldn't just, shouldn't be calling people names either. Yeah. I mean, you never even know if these people are real. Those bastards. That might just be a bot. <laughs> Arguing with a bot now in China. Some guy in China trying to rile up Americans yeah, against yeah. each other. So yeah, it could some be. Some shit like that, you know? Anyway. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? Okay. This is, uh, I'm going to continue on with that one while we're, while we're doing it. You can try guess this if you want. Continue on with the quote. You could come on an overnighter with Miles and I if you want. Ooh. It's about hunting season now. She's got big antlers. Oh, wow. Co- okay, here we go. This is, the, this is it. Coercion masquerading as medical treatment is the bedrock of political medicine. So it says, simply put, the pharmacrats stock in trade is denying the differences between medical care sought by patients and imposed on them against their will. 
in short, defining violence as beneficence. The normal applications of the criminal law tell us the difference between depriving a person of his liberty and depriving him of his life is a matter of degree, not kind. The history of religious persecution teaches the same lesson more dramatically. Medical ethicists and psychiatrists ignore this evidence. They embrace medicalized deprivation of liberty, provided it is called hospitalization or outpatient commitment, drug treatment, and so forth. Ron Paul. <laughs> that was that was uh, from <clears throat> Thomas Saz's book, Pharmocracy, and that was back, written like over 20 years ago. Finally have him on the show. He's dead. Oh. Yeah. Bound to happen. Yeah. And start messing around with that stuff. Did you say you had an oppo too? I do, yeah. You and your oppos. Yep. Remember the profound profound UFO quote of the week? Yeah, that remember that? The... That was good, eh? This could be that too, really. Found UFO quote what? Of the week. This is a different version. Is this the acoustical version of the jingle? Yeah, look, this is uh, never before played, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Found UFO quote this is the first take he said. I like the second take. He added some words. Anyways, this is, um, I don't know, I I felt like we should have done this already. What's that noise? It's military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified. Mostly your job to make sure you don't do them twice. I, I know. I'm just telling you. Dude, this is what it's maybe. Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Maybe I could use this project to go back Operation in time project. and figure out if we did it already. Helpful. Project Looking Glass. We can't even get you, you out of the house. You remember I mean, that one? Project you're going Looking back Glass? in time now? The plans of secret government. When was the last time you time left machines and Stargate device? Today. Where'd, today. Where'd you go? To get a COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> when was And they got your results that quick? Yeah. Because you just went for the rapid test? Yeah. That's not the travel one, though, is it? It is, yeah. Uh, it can be. You it can better be. watch it can that. Be. Yeah, she, she could have given me papers, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't want them. On a rapid? Yeah. You better make sure the airline accepts them. Okay. Because people have also, that's another I have problem. to go to another place in, in anyways, because it's- To the private I, place. I you have to go, go to, to another place because I think I'm going to, I'm not going to be within the 72 hours if I have to travel to Vancouver first, so. Oh yeah, you're going to have to yeah. go someplace in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Which will be interesting in its own thing. I'm driving down. Kyle's flying here on the Sunday night. I know, that's great. So what were you going to say then? Something happened about the different types of testing? They weren't accepting a rapid antigen test over think a PCR test? I it rapid is no good for flight. You need yeah. the PCR. Oh, I don't need it rapid for flight. I mean, that's the thing, right? But not, so just make sure you get to Vancouver in time to get a PCR test and get the result. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Because yeah. that might be yeah. a 24 hour or something. Yeah, that's a good point. They seem pretty quick on that shit these days. Though. Yeah. So this is Project uh, Looking Glass, anyways. And uh, have you heard about it at all? <coughs> How have we not it's done It's the this? time the time travel from the government, the secret can government. Can you time, time travel? travel stuff? Can you just look? Uh, oh, uh, this, might be, this might be looking, actually. That's why they call it the Looking Glass. That seems less complicated. 
so they talk about this being like, it's kind of like, um, <clears throat> this is essentially describing the ability to remote view wherein an individual can become cognizant of objects or locations using mind clearing techniques and theta states of consciousness. But what they talk about is a, a device that works much like the pineal gland in the human body, which is able to create a higher, co highly coherent energy vortex or torsion field under certain conditions, allowing the individual to receive information by non-physical means. Now, it's interesting, this project, because I've tried to find it. You know, a lot of these things we do are on Wikipedia. They're acknowledged. This is not officially acknowledged. So these are sites like I'm on like paradigmshift.com, uh, monkey and elf dot com and uh, operation hedgehog dot wordpress like these are the people talking about this operation that was supposedly at area 51 so let me let me just explain i'll read some of it here so it's called century four which is part of area 51 and he started working on this project aquarium and then he learned let's see here let's go through and then they talk about Eisenhower. So this kind of fits in with today's episode with Leslie Mitchell Clark, because it's kind of about some of this contact with our government, right? I just want to skip ahead to the, to, to the, how this thing actually works. Cause it's pretty interesting. So he describes a Stargate who is in area 51 by saying that next to this is a huge apparatus or next to this huge apparatus is a platform that allowed to throw an object inside the wormhole to travel to other stars, teleporting people or materials from one place to another instantly. And he worked directly under the orders of Majestic 12. This is Dan Burr. So I, I'm not going to, like, I don't know how real, like, you know, how accepted this is, even in the different UFO groups and stuff. But it's an interesting theory for sure, because who knows what's happening out there. One of the most important statements is that related to the Stargates or dimensional portals. And remember when we talked to Grant Cameron? I mean, the government's interested in portals, so it's not that out of, out of the out of realm of possibility. Their device is also made on Earth with extraterrestrial technology. According to Burrish, information on how to build the Stargate is in the Sumerian tablets that they use to communicate with other extraplanetary civilizations. Through these Stargates, you could access a wormhole and therefore in a parallel dimension or a spatial coordinate different from ours. And he says, the device, he said it's, it's not very reliable, and he saw a person die during one of these experiments. The device is also known as looking glass and was used to see the probabilities of future events. So as, as he declares, many wars in the East and other catastrophes would have happened because of these stargates. According to the doctor, there are 50 stargates on Earth, although the stargates have apparently been dismantled. Dismantled. Holy. Let's <laughs> see, getting worse. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm going to go do another one here. They're talking about, yeah, it just says the remote view skill developed via mental discipline, which enables the practitioner to observe events or locations in any space or time, even in alternative timelines with the assistance of a trigger, what is called a conductor. But it's interesting the way they talk about this being, According to alleged insiders, the looking glass technology was apparently used to look backward and forward in time using the consciousness of the operator as a type of steering mechanism. So imagine if you could focus on this thing. You'd sit in a chair that was apparently recovered from a downed ET spacecraft capable of interfacing with the consciousness directly. So when you put the device on, this strong toroidal field of energy cycled about, about a pouch of water at the center, which acted as a sort of resonator for in-streaming energies from the point of focus maintained by the operator. You following? 
The data was collected and projected onto video monitors at incredible speeds, which later needed to be deinterlaced to reveal discernible images. What's interesting is the basis, the biases of the operator would have a direct effect on the images collected. For example, if one were to look back in time of Jesus's crucifixion, if the person doing so was an atheist, they may not see anything at all. But if the person was a Christian, they may see the infamous crucifixion event. This is suggestive of a time-space mechanic in the universe wherein the human mind is able to navigate through time itself. The work of Dewey B. Larson and his reciprocal system theory provides the basis for this interpretation. Wow. So, so you can basically just drum up whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Again, our consciousness is so powerful. It's all, it's, everything's based on it. Or it doesn't work. <laughs> So below the speed of light, motion operates in three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. Above the speed of light, motion operates in one dimension of space and three dimensions of time. As bizarre as that sounds, the mind is uniquely equipped to navigate in time, which is able to access memories of the past, gain aware, awareness of events in the future, conceive of future possibilities, and even imagine alternative events that did not actually happen. In other words, the human mind can select a point in focus, just like in remote viewing, and receive information from the store of memories made during the experience. During experience. So if a mind is properly trained, it can be used to access non-experiential data in the same way one can recall a memory. So the looking glass device seems to be capable of the same type of process to access this data stream from any conceivable location in time, space, or time steered via the consciousness of an operator. And they're saying it goes all the way back to Sumerian times. I mean, that does, it is like the, that seems to me like that's the crystal ball, you know, the, the mirror that people use, the crystal ball, the, the the Sears the Sears device, you know, the Sears Oracle, device. the Oracle. I mean, all these things seem to to go back to that same thing. So, per Dan's com above the door leading into the lab that contains the Looking Glass project at the S four at Area fifty one, there's a stuffed white rabbit holding a backward watch mounted permanently to the frame. As per Dan's comments, permanently wired above the entrance to the Looking Glass Laboratory, there was a large three-foot-tall statue of a rabbit, symbolical of Alice in Wonderland. The rabbit was described as having a clock in his hand and wearing a royal maroon vest with gold fringes and black buttons. And level two, of or 4-2, is known as Alice's floor. This specific floor contained a laboratory for weapons research and development, three boardrooms, and provisions for emergency supplies. And it utilized this project. Level 4-2 is also the location of Project Looking Glass. And it utilized the six composite electromagnetic fields and a height-adjustable rotating cylinder, which is injected with a specific type of gas. The entire assembly can be rotated. This allows scientists to warp the local fabric of space-time both forward or backwards by long or short distances relative to the space-time. <laughs> so then the rest of this gets gets back to what we talked about earlier. So I'll just, I'll put, I'll link to all these in the, in the show notes. But if, if multiple probabilities of the same event were displayed, they could be inter deinterlaced by using specific software platforms. So next to the licking glass was true transport pads, which could tell teleport physical matter or humans from one location to the other instantly, but not always reliably. And with certain disastrous outcomes during testing phases. Boom, 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 boom. And then what they got here too. Project, like they die, people die. Is that the disastrous outcome? No. They don't like, like 
pop just back with extra limbs yeah, or just like yeah, disappear forever. That pop kind of into stuff, space. Right? <laughs> Project Maybe there's like a loop behind time, like the Langoliers. Oh, creepy. Creepy. Anyways, that's it. All right. Well, we'll get out of here. We got a couple things. We are going to jump into our. We did a trailer with Dr. Jessica Rose over in Israel about some Vera's data and stuff like that. This will be a little test. See if YouTube nails us. Yeah. I haven't see, nailed us we'll on the other one yet. On We're going to yeah. see. We're pushing our luck with the YouTube. We could go from zero strikes to two strikes here in a couple of weeks. But Welcome this is a great chat with great chat with with Dr. Jessica Rose. Yeah, it's part of the two part uh, series we did on Rockfin. We just got back into doing the Rockfin stuff after a little hiatus. We've started season four, and we got a few more episodes of that coming up. I think we got Ben Davidson. Is he confirmed now? He's confirmed. Yeah, we got Ben Davidson. We're gonna do one on the Book of Enoch coming up as well. We've also got the Star Forts with Flavortown and his friend. That's right. And before we jump into this little. So we've got the uh, highlight reel from the chat with Dr. Jessica Rose. We'll pop that on, and then we'll jump into the chat, uh, the regular interview. But before we do that, we've got a new website we wanted to mention, uh, Psychedelia, P-S-Y-C-H-E-D-L-I-A.io, from our uh, friends over at Champignon Magique. Oh, have a new venture. Uh, that, that'll wow. be in the show notes again moving forward. Uh, sort of the same as before with but, but with a much uh, advanced catalog. Wow, all really? Sorts advanced of stuff. catalog. And they're going, are they shipping across the border to the States? Or? San Pedro cacti powder, DMT vaporizer pens, all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> psychedelic wonder, wonder world. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, of course, the link will be in the show notes. And uh, we'll keep it in there moving forward for you guys. You'll have to check the website. I still don't think they ship south of the border. That's tricky. And then to ship stuff south of the border, you have to like, uh, in Canada, I don't think you need ID yet. Well, maybe we get a racket going, reshipping. You can there do you it. Go. There you go. You're the reshipper. I'm the reshipper. Can I do it from home? Yeah. Do you, did you, I don't think you show ID. In the States, you have to show ID to ship internationally. Here, wow. I don't think you do. You wow. can just fill out that thing at home and then they just scan it. <laughs> <laughs> Does she ask for ID now? She might ask for ID. That's where you get yourself in trouble, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Dudlop. <laughs> anyway, uh, check that guy's out for our psychonauts out there. And other than that, I forget the name again. Leslie Mitchell Clark. Leslie Mitchell Clark. It's a three namers. It's I too know. much. Yeah, it's I the know. three name does not compute into my consciousness. I can't remember it. I just can't. What's your middle name? Mine? Barkley. Graham Barkley <laughs> Enjoy the chat with Leslie Mitchell Clark. You would see this epidemiologically by how many people were dying, uh, you know, how, how fast people were getting sick, how fast it was spreading, blah, blah, blah. And because I was looking at this from like the, the get go, I learned, first of all, that, well, this was disseminated into the population way before frickin' December. You know, like, the, <laughs> there, there were millions and millions and millions of people going back and forth from China through, like, all the time, October, November, December. So th this was everywhere. It had already gotten into the population. And, and actually, I still haven't heard anyone else say this. This is one of the first things I said. This is already all around us. And if people aren't dropping dead, then it's not deadly. It's infectious, which means that you can transmit it from person to person, 
but it ain't going to kill people like readily. And it's not. And we have those numbers now. Yeah. Well, the people saying like, uh, don't believe it, it, this is CDC and FDA data. Okay. This is, this is people, your fellow American citizens who, who volunteered their bodies to participate in this experiment having adverse reactions and reporting it using the FDA and the CDC system. This, this ain't no conspiracy theory. This is, this is government data, okay? So that's the data that I'm analyzing and that people, you know, they should be aware that this is, this is government data. Even if you, like, uh, you know, take out all the outliers, let's call them, you still have enormous safety signals going off that are detectable in the system. So, like, the, the whole causation story hasn't changed. And, and those signals were there, like, from the very beginning. Like, right. from, from, well, from the trials. Data. From the trials, right? Yeah, yeah. well, exactly, exactly. But basically, we, we have a very flat line here. Uh, the average or the mean for the past decade is just under 40,000 adverse events for the whole year, okay? And this is for all the vaccines, and there are a lot of vaccines being administered in the United States. So come 2021, COVID-19 injectable products are rolled out, and we are at uh, 450,000. Here we have 7,018, which is it's probably closer to 200,000 when you factor in underreporting. I swear it is. What's the cutoff? Why is no one answering that question? If one question needs to be answered by the people who control this data, who created the system to collect this data, one question you have to answer, guys. What's the cutoff? How many people have to die with these particular products for you to say, okay, that's enough? Well, we're up to um, like 450,000, like I said. And when you normalize that to the fully vaccinated population, you get one in 400 people succumbing to an adverse event. That is not a small number. Okay. And that's based on the reports, not what it might be, actually. That's right. If you end up getting sick when you encounter the wild type version or, or a variant of, the, of this uh, pathogen, then the, this product isn't really efficacious. So we call that, uh, when you get sick from the thing you're trying not to get sick from by injecting, a breakthrough event. So the number of breakthrough events for COVID are <laughs> they're really, really getting big. Healthy person gets injected gets COVID, dies. Like, it's got to be the most ironic product I've ever heard of in my life. And as you can see, that there aren't very many people in the upper range uh, age uh, category, but there are quite a few. And, and these ones, these, these like 60 to 75-year-old ladies are, are the ones who are reporting um, you know, they've already went through menopause, but hey, they're starting to bleed again. Like, what's up with that? Right. That's, just, that, that's weird. If you're going to sit there and tell me that there's no causation here, then y- you need to check what causation means. <laughs> that's all I can say. 
But based on what I'm hearing is going on in hospitals right now, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think we're starting to see what's going to very, very soon become known as post-COVID injection syndrome or something like that. This is especially bad because these numbers are going up super, super fast. Uh, the rollouts in the U.S. only started on, oh, crap, um, I'm not going to quote a date because I can't remember, but it, it hasn't been a long time, people. It really hasn't. They didn't start this in January like the, they did with the adults. They started it a lot later. So the number of adverse events in the kids is, is really piling up fast. And, and if the FDA and the CDC don't see this as a safety signal, then they need, they need to, like, I don't know, put some batteries in their calculators or something like you would expect to see a certain number of severe adverse events based on this number yeah. uh, overall. So what you have to do is you, you take the number of Pfizer doses administered, yeah. you know, by, by a certain uh, date, whatever, and you multiply it by that, um, by that incidence rate, and you, and you get a certain number. So you get like 2.5 million, something like that. We have a really, 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 really hard uh, near future ahead of us. We really do. And it's not just going to be about, like, you know, vaccine injuries. It's, it's going to be about, like... Uh, control. And fighting control. Yeah. For, for the remaining, you know, dissidents among us who, who absolutely will not give up their rights and their freedoms, their liberties, their body autonomy... All right, we've got a special episode tonight. We've got Leslie Mitchell-Clark with us. She's a hypnotherapist specializing in different modalities like ET contact as well as inter and past life regression. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that, but all kinds of other stuff. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm real excited to be talking to you and wonderful to be talking to some uh, fellow Canadians. Uh, you guys are have a really wonderful show, and I'm, I'm really very honored to be joining you this evening. Yeah, thank you. It'll be, it'll be fun. We get to talk about UFOs and, and uh, healing through past lives and all kinds of stuff mm. like that. I mean, I mean, it's one of our favorite, favorite topics. So it's uh, great. Yeah. I mean, how did you get, how did you get involved in UFOs and interested in that kind of stuff? Cause you come from more of a, like an arts uh, performance background. Yeah, right? I have a, I have a whole show, uh, show business background. Really. I, I I'm, I'm from a show business family. My, my late father, Gordon Mitchell was a multiple Emmy winning, uh, television comedy writer he worked with norman lear for years and produced all in the family and good times and the jeffersons and he created uh mork and mindy for robin williams so i i kind of uh, grew up with that and i always have had you know a parallel career i still i just got a gig uh, for next week so i still do a little bit of singing uh, now and then and uh, the odd commercial or lifetime movie or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whatever good. we got going here in Toronto, but so um, I've always been a a stargazer, you know, and I and I think I was definitely kind of an odd kid. Um, I I know that I had a little something special, you know. I I saw a lot of things when I was a when I was a child, and I remember being really young and going to mass, and you know, I asked my grandmother. I said, you know, all these people are praying, and why does some of them why do the, some of them have have lights around their heads and and the other ones don't? Mm. 
Wow. Now, that seems like a weird question, but, you know, in all kinds of pictures of religious iconography of saints or whatever, you know, they're drawn with with a little, uh, you know, astral uh, thing going on their head there. So, you know, and my grandmother just said, well, I don't think you should probably talk about that to anybody. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's the kind of thing. So eventually I just, you know, I just kept my my the things that I experienced uh, to myself, but um, I didn't become uh, well. I worked in mental health care really almost all of my professional life as well. I um, I started out uh, when I was about eighteen as a psychiatric aide in a state mental hospital in South Dakota, where I was going to university to put myself through school, and that was pretty wild, man. I got to tell you, you know, it was so long ago. I'm talking about. 1973 maybe it was really before the era of uh, psychotropic drugs we didn't have a lot of medications they had they had thorazine and they had some antipsychotics but i don't even think antidepressants were on the market at that time but we had padded rooms and straight jackets and oh my it was really draconian and while there i took further training i took the hospital training and i eventually became a psychiatric technician which is which is a bit which is kind of like a psychiatric nurse except it's more you you can do therapy but you can't uh do intravenous injections so it's a little there are little weird things that are different and um about boy i guess it was about 15 years ago now maybe a little longer i was really at a, a a turning point in my life i felt very frustrated by what i was doing you know working in music industry publicity and i just i i said there's got to be there's something i'm supposed to be doing but i you know i don't know what it is so my husband god bless him he um he bought me a past life regression wow. with, a, with a with a hypnotherapist because he said you know i just have a feeling that this is going to really uh be helpful for you well i had the life past life regression and of course not only was it informative and mind-opening but i knew that this was something that i could do I just knew it. I don't know whether I did it in a past life. It's very probable. Hypnosis is at least 6,000 years old, if not older. And um, I just had a natural feeling, a strong feeling that this is what I was supposed to be doing. So I, I went and, and I signed up at the Ontario Hypnos Hypnosis Center School and I took my basic um, uh hypnosis requirement there and i eventually went on and and received um metaphysical hypnosis certifications which is as you said uh past life regression interlife regression and something that we call energy release some some people call it entity release but it's that kind of a thing i don't do that too often so um um i became um i became interested in um in regressing ET experiencers very early on. And the way that it happened is the clinic where I was working, maybe about once a month, someone would come in and they would believe that they had partial memories or they believed that they'd had these encounters and no one else wanted to take these clients like at all. And I said, great, you know, <laughs> Give them to me. I'm fascinated. And um, and so what I did, you know, eventually is I I adapted 
past life regression techniques, which were taught to me by oh, my wonderful mentor and teacher, Dr. Georgina Cannon. So um, I didn't reinvent the wheel, you know, but what I did is I took solid regression training and I simply adapted it uh, to be used with experiencers. And um, that started, and before you knew it, um, I was just, maybe it was the law of attraction, I'm not sure, but before you knew it, many, many experiencers just started contacting me, and I began working with them. And um, eventually, um, I became a part of Kathleen Martin's Experiencer Research Project. It's under the umbrella of MUFON, and also Dr. Edgar Mitchell's uh, Free Experiencers. I you know, okay, worked yeah, through yeah. both of those organizations. And uh, and um, and a couple of years ago, I, I um, wrote my first book with a wonderful gentleman named Wes Roberts. And um, it's it's been very helpful in, in allowing me to get the word out and to reach more people that uh, perhaps feel as if they are experiencers or they've had incidents of high strangeness or missing time or whatever, but there may be fearful or afraid to investigate it or talk about it and you know guys my whole thing is knowledge is power knowledge is power and i don't i also believe that there is no such thing as a memory block that lasts forever yeah and i don't care whether those memory blocks were put in by our own secret space program or by you know by friendly ets or questionable ets we are very curious people by nature and i just don't believe that any kind of memory block will work forever and a lot of times people in midlife come to me they're almost like they're waking up they're starting to have partial memories partial recall funny dreams and uh that would be very common for someone in midlife to begin having these these incidents of recall that they want to explore. Huh. Do you, so is that to do with Dolores Cannon's work as well? Is that along the same kind of thing? Is well, that, does very, it Cannon, are very they much so. I mean, Dolores Cannon and Georgina Cannon are not related. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I was curious because um, I was going to ask you about Dolores Cannon's yeah, work, but then you mentioned... But I'm a huge... I was a huge fan and devotee of Dolores Cannon. And, uh, you know, she really is a big, big, uh, iconic figure in, in this entire yeah, milieu. Yeah. Yeah. Like, doesn't um, she have her own certification program as well? Or, you know, I believe she did, but she was in, you know, she was in California, uh, during this, during this time and, and kind of, active you know she when the internet came in in a big way where she could have maybe taught internationally she was kind of slowing down at that point um so i i certainly hope she did and i certainly hope she has people who studied with her who are running it now yeah i but think there a, is yeah. that's a good yeah. question yeah yeah <laughs> so do you so do you so screen memory so you you've seen people and they and they do have sort of screen memories that they break through or, or that's is that a problem that you're seeing with people that they have these blockages well um not really not really a problem but we can make the screen you know, in my suggestions, when I'm working with them, um, I can make, I can allow them to see through 
the screen memory. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, um, and they're very obvious, you know, and especially when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about young people, you're talking about children, um, even ETs that are, that are benevolent and, and, you know, just want to bring the kids on board to teach them stuff and observe them. Um, Even under those auspices, they use screen memories. So the kids aren't frightened, but they can be very imperfect. For instance, here's an, here's an example. Let me just have a drink of water here. Here's an example. Um, They're, um, I was working with uh, an experiencer who was what I would call a lifelong experiencer. His incidents began about age three. And when he was somewhere around age 10, um, he had an experience where he was taken at night, you know, floated through the wall as they do or through the ceiling. And um, he ended up in this scenario that was supposed to be like a children's party he thought and yet he looked around and there were all these chairs set up in a circle some of the kids were completely unconscious i mean out some of them were semi-conscious and some of them looked very familiar and and they were talking amongst themselves so it all smacked of just being so false and at a certain point um Uh, one of the beings came out of like a little office and uh, he was hoping to get the children in there for a little exam. And the way he was doing that is he had on a clown mask and that was so terrifying. They didn't know anything about onophobia, I guess. Fear of clowns is one of, is one of the biggest phobias that we have as human beings. So a lot of the kids freaked out and, and uh, my client, Wes Roberts, like overturned a table and, and, you know, everything disappeared and it looked like the holodeck and then bam, he was back in his bed, like thrown in his bed. So, so sometimes these, uh, these screen memories are, uh, well, I think all the time they're imperfect and they're often anachronistic where you'll see like a, you know, a, a phone from 1925 or something in an apartment that's supposed to be modern. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these these devices, it's, it's a kind of psionics. I, I believe it's a kind of a projected hypnosis that they are able to do and that we probably are all able to do. We just don't know how to control it yet. Yeah, yeah. So that would be, was that, so you think that might've been an ET encounter then that had screen memories of something else with the clown and all that. I mean, is there, is there any chance it's the opposite where that, where you think that it's a screen memory of ETs, but it's really some sort of, you know, like nefarious human uh, abduction or. I think in that particular incident, um, you know, this experiencer, Wes Roberts and many other experiencers when they're children, they talk about the Brown doctors now, I believe that there is a species of bipedal, you know, hominid. They may even be, if they're called the brown doctors, I don't know. Are they reptilian? Not sure. They often wear cloaks because they don't want to frighten anybody. But they are apparently master geneticists and are often involved in working with children. And I don't mean in any kind of painful or sadistic way. I mean just very benign exams and and um and mostly studying reactions human reactions emotions they're they're very big on that so this experience that wes had sort of fit in 
with a lot of other experiences that he'd had as a, had as a child where they set up an environment and then disguise themselves you know in in uh, but this particular thing went so wrong i think because the clown mask turned out to be very frightening and <laughs> yeah. and and they didn't they didn't expect that at all from what they had seen in our media i guess they didn't tune into it right <laughs> It is a I weird guess. thing. It is a weird thing that so many kids are afraid of clowns. Are your kids afraid of clowns? Or they, my down? kids aren't down with clowns. They're not really? They're, no. I wonder what that is. Well, it's, fucking it's, weird looking, it's a man. fake weird looking thing, yeah. I think it's their unpredictability, too. Like, clowns will do anything. You never know what they're going to do. And there's a, that's a, that's the a fake scary smile. element, too. It's the yeah, fake and smile. the fake smile. Yeah, and the distorted... No, uh, the whole thing is creepy. the whole thing's creepy. I so should anyway, go as a super high end clown for Halloween this year. I'll like go in and just pay someone to just do it right up. Just, yeah, like just do your makeup, actual makeup yeah. instead of like a mask. Just do yeah. your real makeup. Yeah, or get one of those makeups that like go. Those I want to get one of those masks that like yeah. make you totally look like a different person. We'll yeah. go as each other. <laughs> <laughs> no one, you, you'll fool everybody. <laughs> Yeah. So what was it? What was it like? Your first that first one you talked about that first uh, you know session that you did. I mean, it must have been weird. Your first ET hypnotic session, yeah, or, or experience actually, or session. Like having it was. you must have had to be careful not to like give them suggestions and stuff. Like how do you manage That's that huge, whole part of man. it? Man, that is a you know, and and that's something that I was so. Um, so conscientious about because we do that in past life regression any type of regression we have to be like vanilla ice cream you know we can't suggest anything and um and so that's as you said that's something i have to keep in mind at all times i i the first time that i used regression on an experiencer i was very nervous i was but um what was so incredibly rewarding about it is the person that I was regressing um, had had so many half-remembered things, missing time, strangeness, this, that, the other, that they really believed that maybe they were mentally unwell, that maybe they were insane. And, you know, remember, sometimes in mental health care, I'm like the last chance Texaco. You know, uh, people have seen psychiatrists, they've seen psychologists, and eventually, uh, you know, maybe as a last resort, they come to see me. So with that session, by simply using gentle um, regression techniques that are tried and true, um, this individual learned how special they were and that they had indeed had experiences that were real since the very beginning of their lives, since age three, something like that. So um, in that instance, and in many instances, when people wake up, it is a great relief to them because they have imagined that they have the worst type of dissociative disorders, yeah. you know? Yeah. Is there any any way that it's it's connected through past lives? Like, is it something to do with our souls at all? Like, would it would would you ever have a person that had past life uh, abductions as well as current life? Well, I think the whole you know I I hesitate to call them abductions, but right, yeah, 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 but, experiences. But, but or... uh, I think that ET contact has occurred for millennia, 
And I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a ancient astronaut theorist. You know, I really uh, follow the work of Zachariah Sitchin and and uh, Michael Tellinger and Graham Hancock and some of these under other, you know, genius people. I, I believe that we are the ETs. I believe we're the hybrids that we were seeded. Um, and however that happened, it doesn't have to be anti-biblical. I think there's a lot of truth in the Bible. It's just kind of like Cliff's notes. Or what is it you say here? Cole's notes, right? You know, it's like a abbreviated versions of things that actually did happen you know even the first sentence has been altered it's the first sentence of the bible is supposed to be in the beginning the gods created the heavens and the earth but when the king james version the english version of the bible came out that s making that small g and that s such a big change were, yeah were, were taken out yeah. of the picture so you have to look for it but there are plenty of ancient documents, this, uh, Sumerian cylinder scrolls that really point to um, ancient uh, civilizations. So I completely believe that we engaged and that many peoples, the indigenous people, still are engaging regularly with ETs. Uh, they are at the Six Nations Reserve in uh, Brantford, Ontario. They have ceremony every so often and they call they call the 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 sky people in so relationships have gone on with uh extraterrestrial beings since the dawn of time but i think i i think what you one of the things you might be asking is um have i regressed people who have had past lives as extraterrestrial beings on other uh, planets well that too that too but but i was kind of i don't know why i've never really thought of this before but just if people are experiencing it now, like what if me in a past life was also experiencing or what if they've been following me through different lives, I guess? Well, I think that's entirely possible uh, because they follow genetic lines. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. And and another thing that might that sort of sort of bolsters up what you're thinking right there is, um, you know, when I when we do interlife regressions, which are very fascinating, that, that's all about where we are after we pass out of our physical bodies and uh, the things that we pass through before and as and and our preparation for coming back into the third density if that's what we choose to do and um it was the great michael newton who's now passed but uh, my teacher georgina georgina cannon studied with michael newton so michael newton was the real innovator of the whole interlife regression process and what he discovered is that when people pass out of their physical bodies into the spiritual realm we have certain commonalities of experience when we get there and one of the big commonalities is meeting with your council and this is not disciplinary this is not it's kind and it's loving and apparently not only do you review the life you've just exited with your council but you discuss your plans for your next foray on earth if that's what you choose to do or wherever you choose to go and when people i and i i would get uh individuals to describe the the beings on their council right and kind of what i expected was well you know there's some of these they look like gandalf or you know, i i mean you know i i was expecting I guess I thought they looked like a bunch of ancient alchemists. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. what but what seems to be more the case 
is many people have extraterrestrial beings on their councils in what we call the afterlife or the interlife. And what that says to me, along with the fact that I have regressed people who've recalled lives on other planets, what that says to me is that we are in the same soul group with many beings that, you know, have a ballpark resemblance to what we are. It's nothing too far out, you know, bipedal, uh, you know, eyes, nose, mouth, this kind of thing. But, you know, there, there are beings with um, extended skulls, elongated skulls that are often, often described to me. So we, we have a lot of uh, cousins. I think these, these beings are related to us ge- genetically as well as spiritually. And uh, th- we're not, things are not as separate as we would like to imagine, just in our own, you know, just like in our own world, you know, we the big illusion is that we imagine that we are separate when we are not. We're all involved in quantum entanglement. We're like a big organism, and one if one part of the organism is suffering, like what's happening in Afghanistan, we're we all are experiencing that on some level we're all interconnected and we have a much larger soul group i think than probably most of us would imagine so that interlife is that is that are you stuck between lives then or stuck in limbo like is that where no. where like let's say the monroe institute or we just had somebody on as well that was doing these soul rescues like he was mm-hmm. going into the astral realm and rescuing people like where would the, where would they be so they're stuck and not even into interlife but yeah right. they're, they're, they're they kind of in not, that like the whole planning phase they haven't reincarnated they yet haven't tra- yeah. they haven't transcended and and you know it's it's a universe of free choice it really is. And some beings, after they exit their physical bodies, they have such attachments to Earth. And it can also be attachments to the, the pleasures of Earth, like drinking or, or, or cocaine or whatever it might be. It's, it, they're so attached. Or uh, sometimes when people are killed suddenly, uh, abruptly, they don't know that they have passed over, that they're that they're dead. They don't understand that, and um, and then of course uh, we have spirits with unfinished business, and also spirits who are afraid to cross over because of the kinds of life, the kind of life that they have led in the physical realm. Like if they've been a bad guy or bad girl, they can be afraid to cross over. So light workers, just like, like what the, your, your um, expert from the Monroe Institute was talking about light workers. And I, I do some of this work. We will go to haunted locations and make contact with the, um, with the entities that are trapped or confused or in trauma or afraid to go. And we literally, you know, open up a portal and call in the relatives for those people and, and, and lead them over because there are also light workers on the other side trying to bring them over. No one is forgotten. No one is forgotten. It's just that they people see what they want to see, just like in the physical yeah. world. Yeah. We see what we want to see. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So w- have you seen any trends over the last 10 years or so? Because, I mean, it, before maybe even before you started doing this, um, in the eighties, nineties, I mean the, the whole abduction thing, it was very, mm-hmm. it was very, it was a very negative thing. And then, oh, you yeah. know, people started 
it seemed to like people were having more, you know, contact experiences or maybe like what was what so contactee versus abductee and that whole that whole thing. Everything I mean, have is, you seen, but it seems like there's less like what people are calling negative abductions now. You're so right. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right, and there's a real reason for that. Um, you know, and I'm sure you you've probably had uh, maybe you even had Philip Corso on the show. I'm not sure, but there was an. Let's we just have to go briefly back to the Roswell crash, which was actually three crashes, not not one. And we brought them the U.S. Uh, by we I'm an American, the U.S. Uh, Army, you know, brought them down with sonic weapons or something that they're experimenting with. And uh, these be some of these beings survived. And the subsequent um, subsequently. There was a deal made uh, with President Truman that was also carried over into the Eisenhower era, where this specific group of of gray aliens that that were involved with the Roswell crash were apparently unable to reproduce. They had some kind of terrible situation where they were not able to they had genetic failure who knows so they made a deal with first truman and the and the chiefs of joint chiefs of staff that um if they could be allowed to take a very small amount of humans that's what they said it'd be like nothing a small amount of humans and harvest dna material then they would exchange technology and so that's how you know we that's how the big progress of the Cold War happened. That's how we got uh, <coughs> micro, uh, excuse me, um, um, microchips, solid, my, the microchip, yeah. solid state um, stuff. Um, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think of? Yeah, the, the word. Intel, fiber, the, uh, fiber yeah, optics, yeah. fiber optics, yeah. Velcro. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and uh, the way that this was, the way that this was all kept secret. And this is there's a wonderful book if any of your listeners are particularly interested in this period in time. It's called The Day After Roswell by Captain Philip Corso, who's now passed away, but he was put in charge of what the army called the Department of Foreign Technology. And boy, was it foreign. And his job was to sort of parcel out these these techno things to various big um, um, private private corporations, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you guys at, at the Skunk Works, you got that. You guys at Hughes Aircraft, you got that. You guys at IBM, you got that. So it was divide and conquer. Nobody knew that they were working on extraterrestrial materials, reverse engineering them. They had no idea. I think they thought that it was probably Russian technology. So that goes back to the very beginning. Now, in the period of time that we're talking about. Uh, There were many, many, many sometimes brutal abductions by these particular greys where where ova were taken, sperm were taken, and it it the amount of these the amount of these incidents is is staggering. Um, And however um, there was a period, apparently this agreement, this Truman-Eisenhower agreement, uh, was time-dated and, and expired. And the Greys, I don't know if they were made to, but they kept their word. And the particular Greys, the particular group of Greys that were very involved with all of these very disturbing abduction scenarios, they 
stopped doing that. And I got to tell you, most of the people that I work with are having, although odd and unusual and strange, they're having primarily positive experiences of ET contact. Yeah. Now, that's that's so in answer to your question about trends, we're seeing a lot of that, seeing a lot of positive, esoteric, uh, spiritually oriented kind of contacts. And I'm also seeing a lot of uh, veterans of what I would call the 20 and back, uh, the the <laughs> the men and women who were drafted as teenagers into the secret uh, space program, the black ops. And that is something these guys and these gals, guys and gals are waking up because guess what? The uh, the governments that develop the kinds of uh, memory blocks for the secret space program didn't think that they needed to last more than 20 years. So all these men, they're they're like all waking up. So you're actually like you've got actually like time. Wow. So you've got actually people over there that are doing these regressions and and they're and they're and they're looking like to you that they've been through all this. Yeah, I I uh, I I believe it. Like implicitly, our last guest said that Graham was part of twenty and back. So (laughs) this is no, no, I'm not. No, I don't think. Were you? Well, Well, he doesn't know, but she said he you wouldn't know. Well, if I think probably at this age, you would already be having flashes of memories and probably sleep disturbances. If you had been involved with 20 and back, remember, you would have been you would have served and then you would have been regressed back to your teenage self. So you would have been like a senior in high school, but at the same time, like a 40 year old man. Do these people so, have sometimes have like drug problems and stuff after the fact? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh man, yeah. you're right on with that. In fact, <laughs> uh, you know, Captain Randy Kramer, who is a, who um, should be on your show. Yeah. I watched your show. I watched your show with him. Oh, yeah. you did. Yeah. Well, he's a, you know, he's certainly one of the most vocal guys and one of the most credible guys who talks about these experiences. And he said that when he came back, um, he went through terrible psychological um, trauma. I mean, he he was involved in some real violent stuff, too. So he had a lot of really like PTSD that you would see from any soldier who's been in, in combat. And I think one of the things that makes me so angry about this whole black budget secret space program, one of the things that is so infuriating is that there are thousands upon thousands of men and women who have served. They have served in the most, some of the most dangerous military operations that have ever been conceived by humanity. And yet now when they're starting to wake up, invariably they're going to be treated like kooks and not acknowledged there. They, and I have a real, I have a real soft place in my heart for, for veterans. I'm really, I get very emotional about it, but they're being ignored. And, um, so I'm waking them up. So (laughs) I'm, I'm helping to wake them up as best I can. Yeah. 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 And relieve. And, and also, you know, I do a lot of work in, PTSD as as a hypnotherapist, one of my specialties is I work with a lot of first responders who have seen all kinds of trauma. So I do work a lot in PTSD. And and over the past 10 years, one of my goals in working with 
the 20 and back people is not just to have them recount memories so that it's information, but to actually relieve the trauma and the stress and the fear and all these things that they have been carrying in their subconscious for so many years. Hmm. Did that, so that didn't have anything to do with the deal that, uh, that they made with the technology and, and t- basically taking our people, right? The 20 and back happened after, after all that, was it? I think it was, I think the 20 and back was kind of a, a, a cold war thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. um, and there's a, there is a wonderful book. It's called the, uh, the secret journey to planet Serpo yeah. and, uh, Len Caston. Yeah. We had and him on have, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. he's fantastic. So Len Caston, uh, detailed really one of the first, uh, if not the first exchange program of where we sent a group of astronauts, men and women, they were all doctors and scientists, and they traveled um, to another system. And we had, uh, we had serpents, you know, plants, we had some here, and they went over there. In fact, if you remember, um, you know, the sequence at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where all the astronauts, you know, they're being blessed, and then they, and then they go off to get on the ship that was that actually happened those events actually happened and apparently i don't know if it was leaked to spielberg or if it was supposed to be gentle disclosure i don't know but that would have been you know what we're what we're talking about the 60s the late 50s early 60s and you know a lot of the guys like jason rice and they you know i i have asked uh, what what did the facilities look like on, on say, um, uh, Lunar Base One or whatever it's called? And, and um, they have all said to me, well, oddly, it, it looks kind of funky, like, you know, rusty and kind of like from the 50s and Quonset huts and things. So, you know, we've, we've been there a while. We've been there a while, and I, I think, you know, this is part of the controversy about our, you know, the moon landing, and, uh, you yeah, know, we yeah. know those guys, those guys saw stuff. Yeah, we know yeah they exactly. Did. Well, it's interesting, because we you did. mentioned the, you know, Roswell in the late 40s, and then the 50s, and you think this this uh, Close Encounters thing might have happened in the 50s, 60s, but there was also yeah. a whole movement of contactees, and people you know, making contact in the fifties as well. So there must've been a whole bunch of, uh, not only them making the deal with the government, but a whole bunch of grassroots contact being made as well. I believe that. And, and, you know, I think that through the years, uh, some of the sophisticated um, ETs who look very much like us, you know, probably from the Lyran system, Pleiadians, there are a lot of beings that just can pass that they look, they're our cousins. They look so similar. And um, I, I think that, Time upon time, they have offered to gently help the world with regards to our environmental issues, uh, free energy, food production, and, um, and the powers that be have rejected that help over and over again because they're so terrified that our um, uh, that our fossil fuel based economy will crumble and it will destroy the world. I mean, that's that's really the kind of thinking I, I have you ever um, 
read about uh, the visit of a character called Valiant Thor. Did you ever? <laughs> I've heard of it, but I, I don't know yeah. a lot about it. Yeah. Well, I'll leave it to you as to whether you think that he was the the real deal. But there was a Pleiadian named Valiant Thor who was accepted as a diplomat and was in Washington for about four years, trying desperately to uh, to get uh, positive changes going in the world and eventually he gave up he gave up and left well is there a negative influence too then from these ets i mean if i feel like there's something a little bit the more archons yeah the archons i mean there's there's also there's all, there's kinds, all kinds of, of stuff, ancient man. ancient spiritual uh, ways to say it but you know as above so below i mean look at the variety of human beings we have on this planet and and the great levels of spiritual diversity i mean on one end you know we've got like charles manson and serial killers and heart and then on the other hand you know we've got the dalai lama or the pope or other great spiritual leaders so we have a big diversity of of agendas and people and i and i think it's very similar in our own galactic neighborhood um i don't know if you you know of paul hellier but he just passed away he was a Wonderful, wonderful man. And he was, um, for for quite some time, he was uh, the defense minister of Canada. Yeah. He was yeah. also the vice premier of um, Ontario. And the last time I spoke to him, which was probably, wow, three years ago, I guess, um, he said that based on his knowledge that the Canadian government, which also means the U.S. government, we're all in bed together but he said the canadian government has regular diplomatic relations with at least 83 species of beings yeah that's a lot yeah. so um but i think anything is possible i uh, there have been there's been some nasty reptilian behavior um there are and also on our own planet you know we have elementals we have beings that have never physicalized we've got um uh we've got shadow people we've got uh, the jinn who are not physical and not not spirit so i think there are all kinds of levels and dimensions of life and remember we're not necessarily talking about uh well we're talking about dimensions really i mean there are interdimensional beings and there are ultra dimensional beings so we've got it all going on i think yeah i agree with you I, i'm i'm mm -hmm. sort of always saying like the all of the above i mean when people ask me what my mm -hmm. opinion is on a lot of this stuff i feel like a lot of times if one of it is 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 uh acceptable or one of it is possible then they're all they're all possible i mean it's really yeah it's really that's sort of the way i think about it too so what what we about had, like uh, the, paul on the show yeah we had episode, paul on the show uh, right? one, oh, episode 102 if anyone wants to go wow, check that, that out far back oh my god yeah so yeah he you know he, february 2015 wow yeah. wow wow yeah, yeah that was hard. good yeah so I mean, do you think, I mean, because there's these grassroots movements all over the world now. I mean, we talked about uh -huh. the 50s, but now pe people are making contact all over the place. I mean, all oh, over, yeah. there's about three or four main Including groups. Including you. Yep. Into, and, and I wonder if that has anything to do with disclosure. Like, do you trust what's happening with disclosure right now? Or do you, especially it must be weird for you to see that when you're doing these regressions for people that are making contact. And uh, now yeah. all of a sudden... You know, there's all these big organizations in the media and the New York, you know, there's people acknowledging the mystery finally. I mean, to me, that was what I wanted out of disclosure was acknowledgement of the mystery. That's, you know. 
Yes. I knew there wasn't going to be any answers really forthcoming, but at least tell us there's a mystery. Yeah, indeed. I, I mean, I agree. I was I was incredibly uh, disappointed by this so-called release of material this last summer. I thought that was just a joke and more, you know, more empty, more empty gestures, you know. But and I do think that, as you say, the disclosure now is a grassroots movement, and nothing is going to stop it. They, you know, the powers that be, no matter how threatened they are, they can't shut down the Internet. (laughs) They can't, you know, they can't control the entire population of the world, which is really what's happening here. More than half the people on our planet accept the idea of extraterrestrial life. So there's been a shift. It's a subtle shift, but there has been a shift in consciousness and awareness. Once we got past that 50% mark, I think that uh, I think that things have changed. And I think all of us that that do this kind of work, you guys, everyone that does this kind of work, we are in fact midwives of disclosure. And uh, that's the title of my next book, by the way. I so. like that. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> So, yeah, but we really are. We're so, doing the work and uh, and you guys are reaching God knows how many people. And uh, every show I go on, they're reaching God knows how many people. And it, it, it's all it's all happening. But it's all happening. Yes, I, it's all happening. And I don't want to give the impression that it's all sweetness and light because it's because it's not. But what I do think is the worst things that happen to people happen as a result of these combined milita- military military uh, secret space program experiments, and I I think I don't think we need any help from ETs to be terrible to each other. Oh yeah, do, really, do you mean you mean the my labs? Really you mean the my labs or more of yeah, a more yes, of a yes yes that's what I, my labs that's what I'm talking about and the things that they've they've done to people I've regressed as children trying to fracture their personalities so they can have an aspect of the personality that they can then control. And all of this turned out to be a bust. None of it worked. None of these horrible things that they've worked on uh, really were ever successful. Um, And we have, we have people that are very damaged from the me lab things. Do you think that slowed down as well recently? God, I hope so. I hope so. I still get reports of stuff happening, though. Um, and, uh, you know, just not too long ago, it just came out that um, at the University of Montreal, the university, the military was engaged in some of these really horrible, freaky experiments involving, you know, really like torture and LSD. And I mean, what, like the MK Ultra stuff, you mean? Or? Ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. It was part McGill, of that. I think it was in McGill, I think. Yeah. Have, yeah. In the, in the, yeah, that's, that goes back to, oof. Yeah. Ooh. Again, the 50s and 60s and all that. I mean, God. Oh, the it's, it's, Ultra. I, I know that Wait. it's, uh, what do you think about the C SETI stuff? The, uh, C five five would be more like the blanket, the umbrella term, I'd say. The non branded. Yeah. I have um, We should have our own brand um, of C SETI. You should. <laughs> no, you could. No. Um <laughs> well um, I have um participated 
a couple of times, not with Stephen Greer, but with other people who knew knew the discipline in uh, one of these C five experiments, and I and I saw aerial phenomena both times that was called in. So I and and certainly the C the C five protocol is one that would attract very high vibrations because there's a lot of it's it's sort of um vedic in a sense because there there's a meditation and there are there are there are sounds and it's it it, it it's very reminiscent of a of a vedic kind of process and i'm not exactly sure how stephen greer came up with this i don't know if he was told to do it this way or um i'm not familiar with that backstory but it does work and i think that once we start elevating our vibrations uh, i mean in general i mean as people once we start elevating our vibrations just by being kind and loving and maybe meditating and you know then <laughs> then more and more contact is going to be possible you know i um and I think that uh, the contact now that I'm seeing has a lot to do with uh, engaging with humanoids, humans who have psychic abilities. They're really interested in that. And it may be simply because when you get to, to a certain level of, of evolution that you use telepathic communication because the speed of thought is the fastest thing that there could possibly be. So. And I mean, for example, if, if if we were all, you know, out in the darkest Africa studying, you know, uh, indigenous, you know, apes, and a couple of these apes could actually vocalize and say words, wouldn't we prefer to work with them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's, I think it's telepathy. I think, uh, I think it's a telepathic uh, universe. And uh, we are perfectly capable of communicating telepathically, all of us. We just have to stop believing that we can't. Is there any overarching message that you get from your uh, clients that are that have been contacted that have positive experiences? Like, is there a, is there trends in in the messaging, or do they ask them questions at all? Are they able to be conscious enough in some of those that they can say, "Hey, like, ask ask questions"? About, oh yeah, you know? we do that, and then sometimes um, uh, it works where the clients can actually ask questions in real time well, okay. and get answers because, of course, time is not actually linear and you know i'm a time traveler i think in all this regression work that i do but time is not linear it's multi-layered i think but at any rate yes we can get direct communication the big message and it's ironically the same message that betty and barney hill got the big message is about our planet and that our planet is suffering and we have to act now and we have to take care of each other and stop fighting and uh, you know i think they're waiting for us and uh, to clean up our own backyard frankly yeah before before we can be eligible to become respectable respectable members of any advanced uh society of beings we can't even we can't even get along with each other you know it's it's absurd so of course they're you know, they're trying to help us, I think, without 
uh, too much intervention. And I think there may even be a kind of a prime directive, like Gene Roddenberry's, you know, prime directive, that you can't associate with any any societies until they've achieved warp drive. Yeah, you know, but I mean, so, I feel like the prime directive only applies to the good guys, and the bad guys go ahead and mess with us, and then the good yeah, guys get stuck. Yeah, because they don't care. They don't give a like, rat's patoot if they're here for for, uh, for resources or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kind of annoys me about the whole thing. It's, I feel like it's a one-way one way thing with the prime directive. Darren, do you got any questions at all? About the prime directive? About anything. You're a Star Trek well, guy. I mean. I, uh, yeah. I've been watching Battlestar Galactica lately. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. Watching that. My old boyfriend, Richard Hatch, was in that. Yeah, from way back. Battlestar what, Galactica? Yeah, which which one yeah. is Richard Hatch? Oh, he's the main guy. He's, he's the, the main guy, right? the main uh, character, yeah. 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 The leading man. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Hatch, is he the uh, old dude? Is he the old guy? No, are you, are you talking about the original Star, uh, Battlestar or the new I one? I was. Is there yeah. another one? I'm oh, watching God, the... I'm so old. I'm sorry. Is there a more I don't know. The one I'm watching is old, too, but I think oh. it's from like 2001 or something. Oh, or God. Okay. Well, there is a there is a more there is a pre digital. <laughs> Who's Richard? Very, Hatch? Oh yeah, Richard Hatch. Hatch. I love that and, one. Uh, I I used to watch that one. You know, when I was Lauren younger, Green, for sure. Lauren yeah, Green yeah. was in there yeah. as the, the the big male patriarch and yeah, yeah. some other people that that you would know. No, yeah. I didn't. Know, I didn't realize that they had rebooted it. Yeah, and it was pretty good. It was really well done, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't watch many many of those series, but that one was, it was really interesting, because they left, you know, they had to try and find Planet Earth. Like, I don't know how much of the theme was yeah. the same as the old one, but it was it was pretty cool. Like, because they, yeah. they would they would also kind of get killed right, and the things would happen. Battlestar you know Galactica I mean, right? review show. Um, did you, uh, now I lost my, uh, I yeah. was going somewhere. Oh, yeah. You lost it again. <laughs> it was almost there. Okay. I just about. I I just about had it. Uh, On that, I think I need a little vape after that. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Me too. This is a problem. But are you liking basketball? Well, Bell, so if you can go. I'm only. I just at the start of season two. Okay. I go. I go through this stuff super slow. Yeah. No. I know. I know. Um, if you can. Speaking of time not being linear, and you're a time traveler, and people not getting along, who's going to win the election? Trudeau or someone else? You know, I I have a feeling that Trudeau is not as popular as he thinks he is. <laughs> I, I, I that's the feeling that I'm that I'm getting right now, and uh, um, I love. I I love the NDP guy. I think he's fantastic. But you know, that's me. And uh, we'll we'll have to see. But I I I feel a bit of a shakeup coming on. I f- I can smell a shift. I think. So we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I I agree with you, but I don't think he cares. <laughs> you know, he, he they they have a uh, they have plans for him not being so popular. I think. Yeah, we oh. could be it. the first one to get hung. <laughs> no. Not inciting violence. Not inciting <laughs> violence. I would never do no, such no. a thing on the podcast yeah. because that's illegal. Yeah, well, I don't do illegal you know, things. it's uh, we, you just—it's just meta, a metaphor expression. It's a mean, metaphor, political. It's a political yeah. metaphor. It's a know? political metaphor. You see it in cartoons all the time. Yeah. It's not a big deal. We're um, practically but, a cartoon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, guys. So what do you got? Uh, what do you got going on? Uh, you know, coming up. Ah, okay. Well, we're just about to uh, uh, in in September. We're we're going back into the studio. We we now do our show um, in a in a studio production, and and um, we're we're going to be having uh, Michael Cremo is going to be coming ooh, in, who awesome. is a marvelous marvelous guy. I'm going to have um, also a lovely lady named Lauren Baudet, who's an animal psychic. A uh, really fascinating lady, and uh, and uh, I think um, and Michael Tellinger, hopefully, an animal psychic. Nice, yeah, yeah. What is an so animal we, psychic? We, well, she's a, a psychic person who somehow is really able to tune in to animals. There's a few of these great gals. There's another one named Sonia Fitzpatrick who's like amazing and has written a number of books. So that's just their specialty. The and they talk to the animals. Isn't so. psychic like tell the future? Uh no, no. I think it's all sort of a present time oh. thing. Yeah, I don't think it has to do with that as much as say you say you have a you have an animal that's behaving strangely and you can't figure out why it is she's a good person to call and she talks to the animal and says exactly what will tell you exactly what's wrong oh I interesting see, yeah. 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 i mean we so need that, that for people these days yes <laughs> never mind i sometimes i feel like i have an easier time understanding my cats <laughs> I I prefer my animals most of the time because they're so they're just kind, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting how all these topics overlap. Like you're, you like the ancient mystery part of it too. And and all that, I mean, it kind of Mm -hmm. fits in with, with your, with your whole thing. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think it does. And uh, anyway, I'm just so, it's so wonderful that we're in an era where we can, actually get information out just like you guys do all the time and uh it's a lot better than public access which you're both too young to remember but (laughs) sesame street (laughs) i remember sesame street on public access Mm -hmm. i think well i think that was on public television that was on pbs but public access is something that i don't think you ever had in canada is that like open mic night it was kind of like that but it's something that the networks were made to do do to provide like a studio space where people could come in anybody could come in and for $35 you could do a show for a half an hour and it was you know you brought a VHS tape and they taped it for you and you know there was no format to show these things but there would be public access channels so it was really hilarious like you would just watch one show after another and in New York one of my favorite show was called Come and Get It and it was a drag queen in a really tiny little apartment and it was a cooking show <laughs> so, and the and the drag queen doing the cooking never said a word about being a drag queen it was just we're gonna make key lime pie today you know or whatever oh god anyway that's public access you can you can now see examples of it on youtube I no. mean, yeah, except it would have been better than YouTube because it takes real effort. Other than it was, yeah. it was better, and it was, and it was all, and it was so funny sometimes. So yeah, if you can, you can see examples of it. Just, just uh, go to YouTube and do public access, and you'll see some very funny shows there. <laughs> so you've been uh, at this a long time. I mean, it's come a long way, I guess. I mean, it's come a long way just as long as we've been doing the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Did you ever think it would come this far? And where do you think it go? See it going in the next ten years? I I was I thought it would be a little farther along than it is, but you know everything in its time, and I'm very happy that um, I'm very happy that I have the freedom to work with these people, and there are so many wonderful individuals who need to tell their stories and um there there are platforms to do that so i think in the next i think in the next 10 years we're going to have open open contact with with beings that are probably very similar to us i think those are the first beings that we'll probably be introduced to uh because it'll be easier for us you know that's interesting I, because because of all the because now we have all these platforms that people can share and because uh-huh. we're all connected consciously that after uh-huh. a certain number of that it just opens wide open absolutely yeah. i mean we we uh, mufon estimated that that uh three quarters of the people on the planet have had some type of contact experience and as far as reports of you know close encounters of the third fourth fifth kind uh there are reports i think from something like 14 million people which is the population of new york city yeah so you know the the numbers are huge and when i talk about consciousness opening up you know i I'm not kidding. It really is in in a big way. So I think that we are going to see, I think we're coming to a point of reckoning where we are going to have to get along with each other. Yeah. Something is going to compel us um, uh, that we, something is going to compel us into a new level of cooperation. And I don't think everybody should feel the same way about things, you know, I, you know, certainly not, but for things to turn for, for political differences to turn into violence for, for police officers to be so stressed out that they lose their judgment. You know, I think that's what happens a lot of time. That's probably a very unpopular point of view, but um, at any rate, um, I think we're going to see some tremendous changes and the changes are going to be in the way we treat each other. That's how it's going to start. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Hopefully yeah, in the good, good direction and not I mean, the bad direction. How many times it is could love, go either way right now. Yeah. How many times <laughs> is love the answer here? Right. I mean, you know, yeah. love, love is the answer. It seems to be. It's always the answer. Know. We are, we are all interconnected and that, that message of oneness is and and the message of you must care for your planet are what are what I'm hearing from the people that I work with. Just beautiful, simple messages. Nothing complex. Just, you know, and, and we have to work together to do this. And we can. Yeah. We absolutely can. Do you are you having some of those experiences on your show, like people that you would regress? Do they? Do some of them want to go public with that at all? Is it open? It seems to me like it's opening up. People want to tell their stories. Yes, now. you know, I think I will do more of that now. Contact TV was contact radio for years. It was, and so in those circumstances where people weren't seen, oh, where it was yeah, a yeah, radio yeah. thing, I often had experiencers on because they were totally cool with that we just wouldn't use their name and they would talk and so i did it a lot when when it wasn't visual but now a few people that i've asked were not really ready 
yeah. to to be seen. So I'll just have to play it by ear. Yeah. And and whoever's ready to come on, I'm sure I will find them. Yeah. Sounds good. Where can our listeners track you down if they want to follow you on are you on social media? Do you have a website? Uh, you I said do, you were working uh, on a new book. Do you have a recent book they can grab? Yes, the recent book, which is available on Amazon, is called Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And it's written by myself, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, and Wes Roberts, the experiencer on who the book is about. It's his journey. And it's pretty, I think, as these books go, one of the unusual things is I have a lot of transcripts of the actual regressions. Wow. So, uh, you know, that I recorded them and then I had them and then I yeah, had them turned into transcripts. So I hope that the that the um, the reader really gets taken along on the journey. That's a great. And, idea. Uh, yeah. So that's and that's available on Amazon. And um, uh, you can always check out my uh, my YouTube channel, Contact TV, Wes Roberts and myself. And uh, we're on Facebook as Our Contact TV. And uh, also you can find me on Facebook, Leslie Mitchell Clark or Lightwork Hypnosis. And uh, if you would like to email me and you just maybe want to chat about your experience, you're not sure if anything's happened or you're whatever it is, you can always reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y at Lightwork Hypnosis, all one word. Dot com, And uh, I will, it may take me a minute to get back to you, but I, I honestly do my best to get back to absolutely everyone who does reach out. Awesome. Thanks. I'll put that in the notes. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Big Thank thanks. You. Yeah, it's been fun. Big thanks yeah, for thanks. coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do. And uh, it was just so much fun to chat with you. And uh, I hope to join you again sometime. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Okay, My pleasure. Bye for now. Bye-bye now. Good night. And that was a chat with Leslie Mitchell Clark. What'd you think, buddy? <laughs> Woo. What was I she, supposed to do? Woo. 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 <laughs> a little bird call, a little ground call. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah. hip lady. Yeah. She was totally. fun. Oh, yeah. Hitting the vape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't push back on the UFO thing when we have, like in the contact thing, when we have people like that on the show. It just feels like, it feels real to you me. You get right. reinvigorated? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Maybe it's and you a have reinvigoration. Someone else on the but, show. Then, you really, but then I'm like, then I'm like, oh man, should we be doing that? You right? really like, blow with the wind. Right? I kind of do. Yeah. yeah it's whoever they. On some things. Yeah. On your UFO stuff. No, my UFO, yeah, yeah. yeah. On your Trump's yeah. going to save the world stuff, you're hard No, no, he's not going to save the world. Don't, don't even talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fun. Yeah. That was good. That was good. That was refreshing. I mean, I can't that believe Len Caskin, Caskin, Caskin. Len, Len, Len's uh, episode came up, the Project Serpo and all that. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's... I, what episode number was that now? Like 142 oh, or something? It's probably close to Hellier's, yeah. If you, I think it's like 142 or 139. It's one of those uh, classic. But it's funny because we've stayed away from the secret space program thing a little bit. Or this, uh, maybe not that, but the super soldier part of it. And and just tonight prior to this, we were recording with somebody else. And, and she was brought up the 20 and back thing too. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. But then I started thinking, well... You know, if ET contact is real, who knows? I mean, any, and I used to say this before we started podcasting, before all this stuff, I used to say, 
If UFOs are real, fifty-five. Oh, episode fifty-five. Wow. If UFOs are June seventh, twenty fourteen, then anything is possible. Anything is, possible. And, and it's true. If if that if that's a reality, contact from ETs, then any anything is possible. No. Yeah. No. Anything. No. Why not? It it opens up everything. And you can just turn into an elephant. Yeah. Just because some people figured out how to how to do yep. faster than light travel, Graham oh, can turn into an elephant. It's way more than just faster than light travel. It's way more. Faster Dude, I was just reading travel? ISIS Unveiled, and they talk about you know transforming. You are right? ISIS Unveiled, and are, you're 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 a werewolf. No, you know, I'm not a werewolf. You're a white it wolf. It came up one time. <laughs> <laughs> Len Caston was number fifty-five. Mm. If people want to check that out, uh, it's a great and show. Hellier was after Graham was loving it too. Hellier was one hundred two. That was right after 101. That's 101 right. was our celeb- first celebratory episode because yeah. we forgot to do it at 100. Yeah. I think 100 was Dave Matheson. Anyway, big thanks to Leslie Mitchell-Clark for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you were one of the select few who chooses to support the work of the Value for Value show. Not a free show, Value for Value show. We put it out for free in the hopes that you'll listen to it assess it, decide what it's worth, and maybe head over to grandamerica.ca slash support, sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation, go over Grand America Outlawed maybe, you want to sign up for Plus over there, you can go to adultbrain.ca and hop on the audiobook train. We've got about 20 audiobooks over there, as read by the wonderful Mr. Dunlop, and a few other people like uh, Miguel Connor has joined the ranks of our narrators, Joseph Roop. And Graham Dunlop, we have all three secret doctrines, ISIS Unveiled coming soon, Secret Teachings of All Ages, Hamlet's Mill, a shit ton of books, including my book, A Canadian Shame, a canadianshame.ca, if you want to check that out. I think that's about it. Uh, Spam the show, sign up for the newsletter, be kind to each other. We love you, motherfuckers. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Somehow I built a rocket ship. Out of the stuff dreams are made and popsicle sticks Please look at my rocket ship schematics Tell me it can fly to the moon, tell me I'm not a lunatic
Thank you.